look beyond the Christmas cookies and the twinkling lights. Dig deep through mounds of wrapping paper. And there, hidden underneath it all, you'll find the true Christmas story. It's about the heart of God, loving us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into the world as a gift of life and hope for the future. Now that's a story worth hearing. The ultimate story that brings all of our stories together. That's the Christmas story. Good morning again. I've experienced that chunk of worship there three times now. And I am moved deeply every time. Would you give it up for the worship arts ministry? Wow. Wow. Welcome, 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 welcome those of you who are at Central Campus, those of you who are at our Garner Campus, those of you checking us out via the internet or in the comfort of your own living room. We are delighted that you are here, thrilled that you would spend a little time with us. Merry Christmas. Got a question for all of you in all of those environments. Hey, how many of you have um, finished your Christmas shopping? Show of hands, show of hands if you've done it. Be proud, raise them up high. See those hands, see? You guys make us sick. <laughs> How in the world? How in the world? I'm just kidding. If you're a guest, you're like, who is that dude? I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, man, it's unbelievable that Christmas is right around the corner. It will be here before you know it. Um, last week, Joshua, our little four-year-old, actually he turns five tomorrow. Joshua, he's kind of become the church kid around here. He's around here during the daytime because he's got preschool and stuff. Uh, it, next year he'll be in public school, so he won't be the church kid anymore. So we're really enjoying these days. Joshua is running through the rotunda. And it's toward the end of the day, so Amy Lynn and I are about to wrap up, and we're about to grab Joshua, and we're about to go home. It's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, so I see Joshua in the rotunda, so I run out there, and I grab my, my youngest boy, and I wrestle him a little bit. I said, Joshua, how you doing? How was your day? He didn't say anything. I said, Joshua, did you have a good day? Did you have a good day? He goes, Dad, I'm not done yet. <laughs> It was his way of saying, it might not have been good yet, Dad, but I'm still hopeful that it's going to get good by the end of the day. And that's kind of my prayer for you this Christmas season. Uh, regardless of where you are, we still have time to get the Christmas season right. Amen? I don't know about you, I love the music. Anybody else love the Christmas music? The music is one of my favorite parts about Christmas. I love to just have it playing around the house. One of my favorite songs is the song that I had them do earlier, What Child Is This? One of my all-time favorite Christmas songs. What child is this? And I want to talk to you about that today. I want to actually unpack a very um, holistic, full portrait, if you will, of who this Christ child at Christmas really is. And I'm doing that because I think sometimes we miss certain key components of the Christmas story. We have a tendency just to talk about the, the little six-pound three-ounce baby Jesus, if you know what I mean, and, and just Jesus. And, and if we're Christmas and Easter people, we'll, we'll focus on Jesus the infant, and then we pop up at Easter, bounce up to church like a bunny, and so we've got the baby Jesus, and then we've got the resurrected Jesus, but there's a whole lot in between there that we have a tendency to miss. And so I want to talk to you specifically about Jesus. 
There is something incredibly powerful about the name of Jesus. Amen, church? Amen, church? I mean, guys, think about it just for a moment. For 2,000 years, Jesus Christ has been changing lives. For 2,000... I mean, guys, that is absolutely amazing. It is the name above all names. You can be on a secular talk show on Oprah, if you will. And you can talk about God all day long. You can talk about Buddha, Muhammad, and the rest of them. But the moment you mention Jesus, it's controversy. Have you noticed this? Why? I'll tell you why. Because there's no other name like Jesus. There's no other... It is the only God-like name that people use and turn it into a cuss word. Have you noticed this? Guys, maybe you've done this before. You've got a hammer, you've got a nail. Hit your thumb. Gee! I've never heard anybody go, Buddha! Have you? Come on, show of hands. I didn't think so. I've never heard anybody go, Bahamut. Because there's something. There's something about that name. I'm going to go old school for a moment, but I came from old school. Man, when I first became a Christian at the age of 18, I was so hungry for Jesus. I wanted to grow so much. So I was in an old school traditional church, great church, preached the Word of God, discipled me. But I found this, this small group. It was like a Bible study. They didn't call it small groups back then. It was a Bible study. It was a Bible study group of about 40 and 50-year-olds. They were older. I was 18 years old. <laughs> but this group I was connected with through some friends. I knew the teacher. They were godly. I asked them, could I come? So <laughs> here I was. I'd roll up as an 18-year-older in a group of 40- and 50-year-old spiritual giants. But every Wednesday night we got together and we studied the Word under Dr. Meeks. He's a dentist in Sumter, South Carolina. And every Wednesday night before we studied the Word, his wife would get on the piano and we would sing. I told you I'm about to go old school. But we would sing that old hymn that some of you would remember. It's called, There's Something About That Name. Do you all remember that? Yeah, you remember that. Some of you want to sing it right now, don't you? Here's the lyrics. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. And then it goes like this. Jesus, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. Come on. But there's something about that name. I mean, guys, our calendar is even split by the name of Jesus. You've got B.C., and then you've got A.D., after the death of the Lord. Some people are trying to change that, by the way. But, like, it's 2010. It's 2010, the year of the Lord. Even our calendar is impacted by the name of Jesus Christ. So I want to teach you two words this morning. How many? I want to teach you two words, and what's interesting, the reason I want to unpack these words today is because when you go back to the Old Testament and you look at how they prophesied about the coming of Jesus, and then you look at the New Testament when when Jesus actually came, it's interesting. You find a pattern in Scripture, two words. They mean exactly the same thing, one Hebrew, one Greek. The word is hene. Can you say it with me? Hene. Those of you at the Garner campus, those of you in your home, say it with me. Hene. And then the other word is I do. I do. Will you have this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do. (laughs) It doesn't mean that, though. Hine, 
I do. By the way, if you haven't already, take out your teaching notes. You want to take notes on this today. And there's a, there's a place for you to follow along. There's a pen in front of you. Hine. I do. Here's what it means. There's a place that says this. Here's what it means. It means look. Behold. See. Don't miss this. In other words, this is huge exclamation point. It's very, very emphatical. Hey, in contemporary terms, it'd be like this. Dude, 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 don't miss this. This is so important. Look, pay close attention. And you see these words in Scripture. Here's the first one. Look, behold, hene, I do, Jesus, the baby. Write in the word baby there in your outline. Isaiah 7, and Isaiah 7, guys, listen, this was 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus. In Isaiah 7, the word of the Lord talks about the coming of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says. Let's read it out loud. You guys are really, really with me today. Ready? Go. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a... Behold, the virgin shall conceive and... And shall call his name... Guys, when they heard this, when they heard that God, 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, when Isaiah prophesied and said he's going to become a baby, it would have stopped them right in their tracks. That was a whole other worldview. What? Jesus, God, the long-awaited Messiah, Savior, is going to be a baby? Would have blown their minds. A lot like having a baby blows our minds today. I don't know if you like this. Women, you, you, will, you will understand this. Guys, you that have been in the room, you'll get this too. Man, childbirth is just a miracle. You know? Childbirth is a miracle. We were having dinner with Scott and Ashley Stevenson a few weeks ago, and we got off talking about this, and it took me right back to having children with Amy Lynn. It's an absolute miracle. I've done it five times. Actually, no, I haven't. I've done it four because i got twins. My bad. Done it four times. Dude, it freaks me out. And I was trying to get Ashley. I was, I was kind of warming her up to the idea. So I was telling her how much it was going to freak her out. Because um, they're, they're expecting a child. Give them a hand. Yeah. I, I started sharing with Scott what I'm about to share with you, man. His eyes got about that big. It freaks me out. We, um, we, we, I was trying to be the good dad. And so uh, I shall never do this again. Um, I went to Lamaze classes with Amy Lynn. And we were in Chapel Hill, and we had, there was about 40 people in there, about 20 couples. And we were doing the Lamaze class. And, um, dude, it, it was some, some crazy whack job dude was up there trying to lead this Lamaze class. I'm so sorry if you have now started coming to New Hope, Mr. Teacher of Lamaze. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, you got to say it these days because you just don't know, man. This thing's blowing up. Um, so I'm laying on the floor with Amy Lynn, and they're teaching us all these breathing exercises. And he's up there, and I told him, I mean, God bless him. I love him. No, I won't, I'm not being critical. But he's, he's going, now imagine that the sun is setting, and the wind is blowing. Breathe with the wind. And I'm up there. I'm a cut up. I'm cutting up, man. I'm begging Amy, let me leave. Let me go get a latte. I'll be back in 30 minutes. Let me leave. And, and he's up there. And uh, so I, I made fun of him, man. We, were, we, we both were kind of laughing, but... Dude, when her water broke at 4 a.m. in the morning, I said, start breathing. 
And, um, and we got to the hospital. We deliver at Durham Regional. And uh, we're at Durham Regional. And um, we're, we're there. And she's going into labor. She hadn't been into labor long at all. And uh, we get in there. And we didn't know what we were doing. So I looked at her. She looked at me. I said, breathe. She said, breathe. She said, and you got stages. You got, some of you know this far more than I do. You've got cycles that you're supposed to breathe through as the labor progresses. Well, we're like 30 minutes in and we've gone through the entire cycle. And uh, she looks at me and I look at her and like, what do we do? Keep breathing. So we go back through the cycle. And we just own it. So we got through it again. We went through it three times, dude, in like 45 minutes. And guess what my wife started doing? She's right here. She'll tell you. She started hyperventilating. She couldn't even move her hands and her feet. And so I really start freaking I run to go get the doctors and the nurses, and they come back. And I say, what's wrong with my wife? They said, how much have you been breathing? And we said, we've done Lamaze three times. They said, dude, you got to slow down. They stuck oxygen on her face, and she took a chill pill, and it all leveled out for six or seven hours. But then, then my precious, awesome girl, Anna Grace, who's here today, Anna Grace comes into this world and 13 years ago, and I, I lose it. I freak. I am the biggest freak wimp job when the baby comes. I, my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm sweating. I'm freaking. You know that pause between when the baby comes out and the baby screams? Oh, there's nothing better than that scream. Scream! Please scream! And I'm freaking out. And, and I mean, it got a little better. I know, you know, we've done it quite a few times. It got a little better. Um, but, like, you know, by, by child three... Amy Lynn loves the rocking chair. She, she doesn't get in the bed. So she gets in that rocking chair. She's a pro, Bo. She's, and she, she does the Lamaze and she grips the arms of that rocking chair. And if, I, if my hands get anywhere near it, she grabs my hands, about breaks my hand. And she, she's breathing, man. She's doing that thing. She's a pro. And she's in the rocking chair. So by about child three, I'm like, you mind if I get up in the bed? And so by like, by like Caleb, I'm up in the bed. We got pictures of me doing this. I'm not proud of this. This is not my best moment. But we got pictures of me in the bed kind of watching ESPN. <laughs> they got pictures of me on my laptop one time. And, and I'm, not, I'm not, not proud of this at all. But one time they came in late in, in labor and they had a tray of food for her. And she's on that rocking chair. About, <laughs> she said, I don't want any food. No food. No food. No food. I'm like, <clears throat> <laughs> I'm going to pull that little tray right there. So I mean, and, but, but, but then, dude, I, I, I know I'm slack there, but then when it's time, because, like, she knows when it's time. So she's like, it's time. I come out the bed, man. <laughs> I come out the bed, and I freak. I just freak. I freak out. And, and because, I, I think, because the, the, the times in which I experience God the most, seriously, as a pastor, is burying people. And seeing my children be born. It's rich with God's unbelievable presence. And it's a miracle just for us to experience so much more of a miracle, man, when God's Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, was born of Mary as a virgin. Like people look at me with so many kids, and I hear it all the time. I get tired of you guys saying this, and this is my answer. You all, you all, you always say when you new people hear I got five kids, they, uh, Pastor, uh, do you know what causes that? <laughs> come here, come here, come here. Yeah, we're just not willing to give it up. And so, <laughs> and, 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 
So here, here we are, and it's a miracle for us, but, but you're talking about a miracle of all miracles. This young teenage peasant girl without any sexual relations. Now, some of you scientifically-minded skeptics, you're going, oh, I don't know about all that. I know, I know. Takes great faith. Unbelievable faith. But Mary, virgin, giving birth to the Son of God. Absolutely mind-boggling. Behold, Hene, I do. Don't miss this. Jesus, the baby. Isaiah 9. Look at Isaiah 9. Got your Bible, turn to Isaiah. We'll be in Isaiah a few times today. But in Isaiah 9, verse 6, look at what it says here. Ready? Ready? Go. For unto us a child is, unto us a son is, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Behold, Jesus. The baby. And when she gave birth to him, they, they, you know the story, there wasn't any room in the inn and they put him in a manger, which, which truthfully, it'd really be more like a cave, to be honest with you. They take him to the cave and, and what does the Bible say that Mary and Joseph wrapped the baby in? Now, now guys, historically speaking, this is where context is really, really important. Do you know what swaddling clothes were used for back in that time? Swaddling clothes in first century Palestine were used as burial clothes. See, what I think you find here in Scripture is an unbelievable foretaste, an unbelievable prediction, an unbelievable view into the future that behold, Hine, I do, don't miss this. Jesus, write it in. The Lamb of God. In other words, when they wrapped him in swallowing clothes, I believe it was a prediction of the fact that this Christ child came to be born that he might die. For you. For me. For the very sins of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist when he saw Jesus coming in John's gospel, after Jesus had grown in wisdom and stature, as the Bible says, and as he started his ministry in John 1, verse 29, the Bible says this, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, there it is, there it is, Hene, I do. Don't miss this. The Lamb, what, of God, what? Who takes away the sins of the world. Powerful. See, we have, a, we have a tendency just to, at Christmas time, just focus on the baby Jesus. You know, the little six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. Huh? But he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And just like when I said earlier when Isaiah prophesied and the notion of, of God being a baby stopped them in their tracks, the audience who heard John say this, they would not have been stopped in their tracks because they understood this very, very well. They came... From They knew it was their story, the story of the sacrificial system. Those of you who know your Bibles, you know this. But when John refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, their minds immediately pushed pause, and they, they hit rewind, and they went all the way back to Exodus 12. 
and they understood the whole story that in Leviticus the Bible says there is life in the blood. And in Exodus 12, what we find is the, the great Passover text. And what we find in Exodus 12 is that, that God had told God's people to set themselves apart and that an angel of the Lord was going to pass through. And when the angel of the Lord passed through, if they wanted to be a distinct, set-apart people of God, they were to take a lamb without blemish and slit the lamb's throat. And they were to take blood from that lamb. You know the story, Exodus 12. If not, go read it. Great, great Christmas kind of text, if you will, when you understand what I'm saying today. And, and the Bible says, take the blood of the lamb and put it up on the door frames. And so they put the blood on the door frames and then they'd come around the side and they'd put blood on the door frames. And the scholars historically would tell us that what would happen is that blood that they would take from that lamb, put it up on the door, the blood would drip down the center of that door and that blood that they put on the side of the door frames would drip down. And I believe what's really, really stinking cool is all the way back there in Exodus 12, you see a kind of mystical foreshadowing of the cross as that blood dripped down the center of their doors. And down the sides. And the angel of the Lord would pass over those who used the blood. Powerful. Jesus. Hinei, I do. Don't miss this. The baby. Jesus. The Lamb of God. Next one, write this down if you're taking notes. Behold, Jesus. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Pay close attention. Jesus, the man. My, my, my four-year-old, uh, as I said, five-year-old tomorrow, Josh. Joshua's Hunter. Joshua Hunter has his shirt that actually all my kids wore, and I'm kind of sad because Joshua is about to outgrow it, so no kid will wear this particular shirt anymore. But I love it when he wears this shirt. It's my favorite one. It says, my dad is the man. I love that shirt. I don't know why. You, I mean, you love that when your kids say those kinds of things. I love that shirt. And how much more does, must it delight the heart of God when his children say, man, Jesus, you are the man. You are the man. And, and, and I want to talk about that in, on two levels. One is the fact that just Jesus is a man. See, I, I think we forget that. I think the church has been guilty of um, overly emphasizing the divinity of Christ the holiness of Christ, but not holding in tension with that, the humanity of Christ. Now, I can't fully explain it to you because I don't fully comprehend it, but the Scriptures are very, very clear. Jesus Christ was fully God, fully divine, born of the Virgin, as I said earlier, but fully man. I mean, like, guys, he burped. He spit up. He did the other things. He was man. Fully God. Fully man. And here's the other level for us to just kind of ponder this morning when we think about the humanity of Christ. He was fully man in the sense that he embodied and exuded compassion like no one ever had before him and no one ever will since him. Jesus, unbelievable compassion just oozed out of his humanity. You follow him through the Gospels and, and you see him coming across people and on his busy schedule and mobs just flocking around him, he'd come across people with leprosy, guys. People with leprosy were shunned. People with leprosy weren't touched. 
Imagine, if you will, the salvation people at the mall with their little red cans and their hats and their ding, 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 ding. Imagine the lepers in first century Palestine with the can around their neck, you know, jingling it, praying, help, 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 anything, anything. Will somebody look at me? Will somebody touch me? Will somebody give me anything in Jesus? Jesus, the, the only one, as we can tell in scriptures, would stop and bless, touch, heal lepers. Jesus would be walking along and he'd come across blind people. And you, you see in the scriptures, everybody just kind of passes them by and Jesus would stop and, and heal their blindness. Jesus in the scriptures would, would come across people in John chapter 8, you see him encountering this prostitute. And the people, because as was their custom, stone her, kill her. The people brings this prostitute to Jesus. They throw her down in front of Jesus and they're expecting Jesus to give them more ammunition. And Jesus gets down and, and writes in the sand. <laughs> if any of you are without sin, you, you throw the first stone. The compassion that oozed out of the human pores of Jesus is mind-boggling. Like, like, guys, it's one of the reasons why our church is, is trying to get better and better at embodying compassion for people. It's one of the reasons why we always encourage you. To, it's one of the reasons why you'll go in that rotunda today and you'll see a tree of hope, and around that tree of hope are over 900 opportunities to bless needy people in central North Carolina. 300 of them were taken last Sunday. We've had a huge response today, so at least that many probably have been taken today. But this is your last Sunday to go grab some cards. And all you do is you go find one that, that pulls on your heartstrings, and you take that card and you, you go home and you buy that gift or you do whatever the card says. You bring it back next week and, and we'll like deliver it for you. We, how easy is that? We take care of it for you. There's a table that we set aside this week for new hopers. Like, the church should take care of its own as much as we take care of needy people out there. Amen? I mean, we have people up in here who need compassion. And if you're here and you need that, would you mark your connect card? We'll keep it confidential. But would you let your brothers and sisters in Christ bless you? It's compassion of Jesus. And this is our last week to do it this Christmas season. And I just... I just can't encourage you enough to do that. But Jesus was one who just exuded this unbelievable compassion. And he, here's what's a trip. When his life came to an end, he climbed up a hill called Calvary. After they had beat him all night long the day before. Why? I'll tell you why. Because of his compassion for you. Like, really, you and me. The love and the compassion was the whole reason why he endured the cross. The night before, they beat him so bad, scholars tell us, skeptical scholars, secular scholars. So if you're here and you're like, I'm not even sure I believe all this stuff. You need to know that even history itself shows that Jesus Christ was beaten so bad before he went to the cross that the back of his, meat, back, of his back was torn to shreds, looked like hamburger meat. The internal organs of Jesus were visible. After he was beaten 39 times, he went up a hill called Calvary where he spread wide his arms and he said, I love you this much. 
And huge spikes were, were, were driven into his wrist and into his feet and a spear into his side and a crown of thorns jammed upon his head where the blood trickled down. And there he hung for six long, horrific hours and the world just kind of stood still. And after six hours, he lifted his head and with compassion to the very end, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Compassion that will take your breath away. The Bible says this in Isaiah. Read it with me. But He was for our transgressions. He was... The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid upon Him... What? 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 The iniquity of us all. What child is this? Hine. I do. Dude, don't miss this. He's the baby. He's the Lamb of God. He's the man with unbelievable compassion that shows you and I how to live. And nextly, and, and before I even give this one, I just want to kind of, I want to pause for just a moment and set the stage for this one. Is there anybody here who would, would not agree that the world is getting increasingly darker? I mean, is there anybody here, like I said, even if you don't believe and you're just checking this whole thing out, would, would not everybody in the room here agree that the world is getting increasingly darker, spiraling south out of control? Let me just give you a few examples that will help us understand this before I get to the, the next one. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the last five years... The U.S. Department of Justice says that there have been at least 150,000 children caught up in the unbelievable, horrific sex trafficking taking place in the United States of America. Are you aware of this? Our church is growing increasingly compassionate about this, by the way. 150,000 in the last five years young children are being swept up in this sex slave trafficking. While you were eating turkey and dressing on Thanksgiving like I was, the Haitians went to the polls to vote for the first time since the January election. The vote didn't turn out as the people wanted it. Fraud is suspected, and so now the country has fallen into an all-out crisis. American Airlines has stopped their flights into Haiti. Our church, by the way, we've had to pull the plug temporarily and postpone our missions trip to Haiti that we were taking in January. The Mexican drug war continues to rage on at least... Listen to this guy. And guys, <clears throat> don't glaze over. Like, I have to pinch myself. I watch the evening news almost every evening... And um, sometimes if you're not careful, I'm like you, you're like me. Sometimes I can just glaze over. Oh yeah, more dead. More dead, more war, more violence, 
more of this. And, 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 and I believe we just glaze over and our hearts grow cold. Would you let the numbers really, really sink in? At least 22,700 people have been killed since President Felipe Calderon took office and deployed troops and Mexican federal police against the drug gangs. 22,700 people killed. And just yesterday, when a group of people tried to put Elizabeth Edwards to rest and celebrate a life and have a funeral... There was a group of people from Kansas out of Westboro Baptist Church who decided that they were going to come down and do as they often do with soldiers when they are dead. And at soldier funerals, this group from Westboro Baptist Church pickets funerals. And they decided that they were coming down from Kansas just yesterday to picket and protest the funeral of Elizabeth Edwards, all because she had in her life talked about gay rights. And there they stood with placards and poster boards declaring God hates homosexuals. Burn in hell. Is there any reason why Gandhi said, I like your Christ. It's you Christians I can't stand. Now, thanks be to God, power of internet, it's so cool. This got out, you probably heard about this, and a group decided they were going to go, kind of weird but really cool, they were going to go protest the protesters. Seriously, this happened. And I got up this morning just to get the facts and went online and checked it out. Uh, a, a group that decided they were going to protest the protesters, they, they got a big group together and they called it the Line of Love. And, and they, they, they kind of barricaded the, the little group from Kansas. And they had signs that said, Grace and God bless and all these things. And the little group from Kansas were heavily outnumbered and got back in their car and went to Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. But this world, my point, is growing darker every day. Hene, I do. Don't miss this, church. Don't miss this. Jesus, the returning king. Jesus, the returning king. The Bible says that Jesus Christ will come again. We missed this at Christmas too. The Bible says Christmas was his first advent, but the Bible says that there's going to be a second advent. And the Bible says that when he comes again, he will not be cloaked as a lowly servant, as a humble baby, but that he will be the returning king. And the Bible says that when he does, and God puts an end to this whole deal, that every single person is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have to give an account for their life. And the Bible says that at that point in time when every knee bows and every heart humbly confesses Jesus, the Bible says that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that every single knee, every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord 
of lords. Let the church say amen. The Bible says this in Revelation 22, 12 and 13. And behold, there it is. And hey, I do. I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, he might have come as a baby. But listen to me, church. Don't miss this. This is important. When he comes again, or we breathe our last breath, we are going to stand before the righteous king. The one who is going to make sense out of this world that is spiraling out of control, getting increasingly darker every single day. The Bible says this in Revelation 19, 11 through 16. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is named what? And what? With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in, help me out, and, the name, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress. Don't miss this phrase. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has written the name King of kings and Lord of lords. Let the church say amen. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and every single knee. You're sitting up in here. You might be, I don't, I don't even believe this stuff. That's fine. But you heard it here. In December 2010, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And He is a righteous, gracious, powerful, almighty judge. And Christmas rolls around every year, kind of whispers to us, yeah, he came as a baby, but don't you ever forget, he will come again. And he will pierce that eastern sky one day, and the Bible says that the trumpet will blow, and he will gather his faithful, the body of Christ. You say, well, pastor, come on, come on, really, do you believe that? It's been 2,000 years, really? I know, I know. It has been 2,000 years. But I still believe what Scripture still clearly teaches, that He will come again. I believe that. I believe that. And in fact, if you want me to go a little step further, I believe it's the only thing that makes sense out of this sin-scarred planet Earth that is spiraling southward and out of control. It is the only thing that makes sense of it all. Hine. I do. Last thing. I'm done. Don't miss this. Jesus, the one who wants to share life with you. Jesus, the baby, 
Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the man, the returning king, and the one who wants to share life with you. Revelation 3.20. Would you read it out loud? One final scripture. Will you read with me? Ready, go. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. The Bible unbelievably says that he's not only the almighty God, and the returning king, and the judge of it all. But he wants to be involved in my life. And in your life. Unbelievable. Behold, I'm here. Behold, if you let me in, I will show you the unconditional love of God. Behold, I'm here. If you let me in, I will show you the peace that passes all understanding. Behold, if you let me in, I will give you life and will give it to you abundantly. Behold, if you let me in, I will come in and heal you. I will take care of you. Behold, if you let me in, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. If you let me in, I will change your very life. Because my name is like no other name. Don't miss this, church. He wants to be involved in your life. In the day-to-day busyness, stress, hurt, joy, every single area of your life, Jesus wants to be involved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Let's pray together. I want to ask you today with, with all eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to take a, just an extended time of, of prayer today. This worship celebration like the other two this morning have been rich with the power and the presence of God. I just want to ask everybody with, with all eyes closed and heads bowed and just thinking about God. This is between you and God. And for those at the Garner campus... And those experiencing this in their homes. I want to pray. At all of these locations. That we would get just very, very honest for a moment. I mean downright. Breathtakingly honest. Lord Jesus, we want to experience you this Christmas season. And the truth is, God, there are many people in this room that for whatever reason, God, we just tend to get too busy. And in our busyness, God, the truth is, if we were just really, really honest with you, we would confess that, that we are experiencing this Christmas season without the Christ. That in the midst of trying to run errands and get kids here and get ourselves there and go to work and pay bills and get Christmas gifts and cook dinner in the midst of all of the busyness Lord the truth is many of us are close to doing that which we have done before Father and that is miss the very reason for the season if that's you and you struggle with that kind of busyness would you be honest enough again with all eyes closed would you be honest enough to just raise your hands with me if that's you Would you own that? Yeah, absolutely. All over the place. Father, would you forgive us? God, I'm speaking to those of us who know you, who believe in you, who crossed that line of faith. But the truth is, God, we can miss Christmas. If that's you, I want to encourage you now to just 
turn your chair into an altar right where you sit in any of these locations that you would just worship Jesus today that you would bow before the Christ child the Lamb of God the returning King the one who wants to be involved in every area of your life and you would confess that and you would invite him back in to be on the very throne of your life for the rest of this Christmas season and indeed and in fact for the rest of your life Would you just share that with Him in your own words? And Lord, the truth is we're also in a room where there are those who are here. Thank God they're here. But the truth is if they were real honest with you, Lord, they would confess that they've never really opened up the door of their hearts. And they've never really had that moment where they've invited you in, Jesus, to be the Lord and the Savior of their lives. And the truth is, they might not have ever really felt you knocking on the door of their heart like they felt you this day. If that's you, beloved, I want to declare to you that it's not a coincidence that you're here. I believe that it is God-ordained that you would be sitting here today and experiencing the power and the presence of God like you are right now. The good news is that He loves you. Hene, I do. Don't miss this. He loves you. The good news is that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And when you open up the door of your heart and you simply invite Jesus Christ to come in, the Holy One of God, and you receive Him and you confess your sins and you turn your life back toward God, the truth is the Bible says He forgives you. And not only does He forgive you, the Bible says that He will start to transform, sanctify, change your life. And not only that, the Bible says that He promises you future a future of peace, a future of prosperity, a future of eternal presence in a place called heaven. If that's you and you sense God knocking at the door of your heart and you're here today and you want to make this day the day that you humble yourself and you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you too to turn your chair into an altar wherever you are and humble yourself and accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior to be born again to be forgiven of your sins to have eternal security in a place called heaven Lord Jesus, together we all stand before you. And wherever we are in that spiritual spectrum, Father, we stand before you and we open our lives and we we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for worship. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for raising up your Son, Jesus, Heavenly Father, that we might have victory and life. And we worship you, God, with every bone that's in our body, every fiber that's in our being. We worship you, Holy One of God. In 
spirit and in truth. In the spirit of prayer, let us stand where we are and sing and worship our amazing God. Here we go.